0: Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are joining us here in the room or you're joining us online, uh, we are really glad that you are worshiping with us, especially if you're new. Um, if you're new, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and again, very glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. We are in the middle of a series. We're kind of going through some of the commands of Jesus. And we started a few weeks ago where in John 14, where Jesus says, hey, if the person who knows my commands and keeps them—that's the person that loves me, and, and and I'll love them, and God will love them. I'll disclose myself to them that that a relationship and and connection and revelation from God kind of starts at least in part with um, knowing and keeping Jesus's commands. And so, if that's if that's the case, then we should probably know what a lot of them are. And so we started uh, with that, and then the next week we went to the very first command that Jesus gave, which was. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we talked about that really what God wants is like just us to make that decision, a decision to trust in him, believe in the gospel and and follow him. And then what Jesus will do is he'll remake us and then use us, become fishers of men to make a difference in the lives of people. And then last week, uh, somebody asked Jesus the question, what is the most important command? And he says, well, it's to love God with everything that you are, and the second right behind it is love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we're kind of walking through the commands of Jesus, we've looked at his first one, and we've looked at what he says are the two most important ones, and today we're going to look at one that I think, I don't know if controversial is the right word, let's just say one of the more or most challenging of Jesus' commands, one that was probably to the original audience, incredibly shocking. It's incredibly difficult to process on, on how to do it. And, um, so we're going through that today. And as I've been looking at this particular command and this passage is kind of, is, is, you know, not coincidentally, coincidentally, whatever, uh, coincided with just kind of all of this, the, the, the reemergence round three or round four, of just a lot of, Talk and anxiety and fear and frustration around, around, around COVID again. And so I don't know if you notice this. I don't know if you're, you're there on the social media, on the internet, you know about the internet, right? The internet, news, social media and stuff. But I want you to know, in case you're not, I want you to know, they're back. They're back, the people that just say the crazy things. The people with the ridiculous opinions and ridiculous ideas about masks and say those incredibly naive, stupid things about the vaccinations, and have these horrible ideas about lockdowns and restrictions and mandates. And the more, I don't know how you feel, I how you, the more I read about what they say, and the more I hear about them, I think these people don't care about us at all. They don't care about our health. They are only in it for fear and control. Who am I talking about? He's nervous, right? He's like, if ready to run like He's like, okay, you know, I know that. who am I talking about? Of course. You, know. you don't really need to ask the question, who am I talking about? You know who I'm talking about. Them. 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 Did you see just how they are? That's just the way that they are. Their ideas, their thoughts. It's just so frustrating. Their stupidity. They're, 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 I, just, I just can't. With them. Because this is what we've done. And we could have done this sermon two years ago before any of us had ever heard COVID, heard of this, and, and we could have we could have easily done it about any number of issues. Any number of issues. We could talk about how they are and how ridiculous they are and how frustrating they are and how they're an obstacle. And because of who they are, I really honestly believe that they are trying to do me harm because this is what we have done. We have successfully created an an environment where it is just very normal and natural to other people, other, they're not with us, there's us and there's them. And so right now, it's really centered around kind of the, the political nature and the science and the, and the, uh, the best practices around COVID. But it's, it could be any number of political things, any number of religious ideas. You have a different political ideas. You have different religious ideas. You have, a different, you have different ideas or practices about what is healthy sexuality. And if you disagree with me on this, with us, then we're not a part of us. You're them. And, and once we other somebody... Then all the normal rules about what it is that God has called us to and the way that we're supposed to care about people and the way that we're supposed to love people. And around, once we've othered them, well, then the rules don't apply. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, I've got lots of neighbors. I need to love my neighbor as myself, but not them. Not them. Because this is what happens is, is, is you other people. And here's the interesting thing. That even right now, as I'm talking about the way that people get othered and put into a camp and kind of cast out. There are a few of you, at least, who are thinking, yep, yep, yep. That is what they do. They do that. They are always othering us. And we need to stop them from doing that. To us and it's a whole it's it's significantly easier it's significantly easier for for us to see it when someone else is doing it's very easy for me to look at them and what they are saying and all of their ridiculous ideas and, and, and it, it's easier for me to see than for me to see what I'm doing and the way that I am othering people, the way that I am putting people outside of what is appropriate, outside of what is okay, outside of what are the types of people that, it's, that I'm supposed to love. And we make groups of people that we have decided in some way it's appropriate to not love, to hate, to have overwhelming amounts of anger to. And so then, last week, we're looking at a passage, a little passage where Jesus says, hey, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think immediately our brains go to, okay, 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 I know what that means. I know who that is. So to love my neighbor as myself. And that just kind of means, you know, literal neighbor, people who are near me, my family, my friends, the people that live near me, work near me, people who are just kind of naturally in my orbit, and then the preacher comes up, like he did last week. He's like, hey, it's not it's not just that, guys. It's also we need to love on the hurting and the needy. And you're like, yes, you're right, and, and we need to do that, and we need to take care of the poor. And all that's really good. But even still, there's still a group out there that's, let's just be honest, they're not my neighbor. They're not my neighbor, and loving them is an incredibly tall, if not impossible task. Jesus has some thoughts on that in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, we have this passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is kind of going through line by line some of the teachings that the Pharisees, these religious leaders had. He's like, man, they're telling you that all you have to do is not murder. But what I'm telling you is that even if you show hate and anger towards somebody, that's not good. They're saying don't commit adultery, but honestly, just lust in the heart. That's the same thing. And he's going through kind of these next-level ideas about what's going on in our hearts to expose the fact that we're not as great at following some of these commands as we think we are. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And so, just kind of a pause right here. We haven't quite gotten to, the, to what I think is the, really the gut punch idea that Jesus has for us. But this is difficult enough. Essentially what he's saying is, there's some people that are going to try to take advantage of you. And when these people try to take advantage of you, you need to extend an extra measure of grace to them. They ask you to do this task that you think is unfair, do it and do it even a little bit more. And if somebody hurts you, you need to forgive them and let them and 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 turn again to to give them more chances. And that is very difficult. And if we just, if that were our primary passage for today, there would be plenty of difficult things to really extract from that, to really how hard it is for us to forgive, how hard it is for us to go the extra mile with people. If you're from it, that phrase it's where it comes from here. Somebody asks you to walk, you know, carry stuff for them for one mile, go two miles. The extra mile is kind of where this comes from. There's enough difficulty there. But I think even here in this passage, we're still where we were. Hey, this is a way for you to love your neighbor. You're like, yes, yes, I need to give my friends and family. I need to be more gracious with them. I need to be more forgiving of them. When people ask, you know, people who are needy, when they ask for me, I need to give to them. Yes, that's what I need to do. But again, there is another level of loving that he is calling us to, and we find it, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now there's some difficult things here in this passage, and honestly, for the next several weeks, there's gonna be several things that are kind of some difficult, challenging things in some of these. And so we've had this for a while. I don't know if you found it, but every Wednesday we drop kind of a supplementary podcast, and they very often go with the with the that week's sermon, where we kind of are going next level in kind of some of the more difficult ideas that are what we can find in um, in some of these passages. So I encourage you, if you haven't found that, please find it. Find the Grove Church. Wherever you look at podcasts, and we kind of talk about some of these things, but essentially, I mean, the big picture challenge here, Jesus says, "Like, hey, you've heard this. You've heard this before. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy," which is really interesting because it says in the Bible to love your neighbor. It says all throughout the Old Testament. There's nowhere that it says hate your enemy, but apparently, this is kind of what was being taught. You've you've obviously heard this. Like, I'd never heard it, but apparently, they had this was being taught. You know, God calls us to love your neighbor, but you got to hate your enemy. You've heard that. But what I'm saying to you is something completely different than that. You need to love your enemy. You need to pray for people who are persecuting you so that you can be children of your Father in heaven. So what Jesus is calling us to, this overwhelmingly crazy, difficult idea, what he is asking us to do is to love those who seek your harm. Is so there are people out there that are that are legitimately out to get you, who mean you harm, who are going to persecute you. And what you've heard it say, love these people, hate those people. I'm saying love these people. Love the people who have done you harm. Love your enemies. And that's such a strange word. Strange word, enemy. Like, do you have an do you have do we have enemies? Like, 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 like there's this, there's this place, one of the best shows ever. The British version of Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. It's the very first episode, and John Watson meets Sherlock's brother, and he offers to pay him all this money to spy on him. He doesn't know that that's Sherlock's brother, but he describes himself as Sherlock's arch enemy, and he's somebody who's interacting with Sherlock, and he's like met somebody today, a friend of yours? And Sherlock's like, wait, a friend? Well, an enemy. In fact, he said he's your arch enemy, and he didn't even flinch. And he's like. Normal people don't have arch enemies. I love that show. And so I say, love your enemies. I think there's probably, I'm, I'm a normal person. I don't have enemies, but, but we do. But I think it's important for so. but really we shouldn't. We shouldn't be the people that categorizes people into neighbors and enemies. And to the degree that we do, We need to love them just the same. We need to be the type of people that we don't have enemies. We may be someone else's enemy, but I don't have enemies. I only have people that God is calling me to love. God is calling me to love everyone, even the people who are out here to do me harm. And he's like, "Mm, mm, mm, mm. Charlie, I thought you were smart. I thought you were a good person. I thought you understood how the world works until like, I don't know, five minutes ago, maybe 10 You just don't understand. You just don't. You don't understand how harmful these people are. You don't understand how hurtful they are. You don't understand the things that they say about me. I... I, I get on TV and I hear the way that they talk about me and the things that they say about me, and you don't understand how 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 destructive and toxic they are to the world and to our country, and how the whole country is going to collapse if we continue to listen to them. It's going to fall into this, uh, this this under this dictator who was just and they're and they're fascists and they want to control us. And again, who am I talking about? This is just how we talk about each other. And you think, you don't understand. No, I I do understand. I understand that we have joined in and allowed hate to run rampant in our hearts. And that there can be somebody who has a different perspective about an important issue. And maybe their perspective on that If it's followed through with it's going to do you harm I understand that I've I've been on social media Just the same as you I see the things that you see I see the links to the same articles that you see I see all of that I'm not naive I know that it is a dangerous world And I know that your fears are real But what Jesus says Is that even if that's true we cannot allow hate to, 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 to run in our hearts. Because right before he says this about love your enemies and the go the extra mile passage, let to make sure that we understand that. This is, a, this is an occupied, the Israel is occupied by the Romans. And they are not treated well by the Romans. They live in a, They already live in that dictatorship that you fear. Where people who are not like them are punished and hurt and killed. They already live in the world that you fear. They already do that. They are already killed for sport because they're considered to be subhuman. This is already happening in the world in which Jesus says this. And he says, if someone asks you to walk a mile, take, go too. And this is a reference to a very specific thing. A Roman soldier had, by law, the right to ask any Jewish person that they wanted to carry their stuff with them for a mile. So they're carrying all of their heavy armor, their weapons, whatever it is they're having, no matter how heavy, no matter how burdensome, they can come up to anyone at any time and say, you must carry my things for a mile. So you have to serve the oppressor who is, who is actively hurting you and your people and could kill you at any moment without consequence. And Jesus says, if that happens to you and someone asks you to do that, to carry it for a mile, what you should do is say yes and carry it one more mile. So, a lot of our worst fears are already being lived out here by, by, by the Jewish people. And in that, Jesus is saying, Meet those people who want your harm, meet them face to face with the love of God. But the reality of it is, for most of us, is that we don't have to really kind of go to this meta big picture thing about the divisiveness that exists in our world right now for us to find our enemies. In fact, it would be significantly safer on some level for me to say, Hey, you need to love these people. These people, you need to love them too. Like because there's there's some simple application points to that. There's stop posting that stuff. Stop retweeting that stuff. Stop stop liking it. You mean because you know you say if you say that you like it, we all see that, right? And someone says something really hateful and it's like, oh. Okay, like there's really some applications for that. But here's where it gets a little more difficult. There are actually people who used to be in your neighbor orbit that are now your enemy. They said something, they did something, they hurt you in some way, where you now have, he's like, I, I, I can't with you anymore, I have to put you over here. They've hurt you, they've hurt a friend they say things, they do things. There is someone in your family, there is someone who is in your friend group because of what they said, because of what they've done, because of who they chose to advocate for in the election, or whatever. There is somebody who has done real hurt and damage to you. Who, when you think about them, I was like, I think this person means me harm. And Jesus says, you need to love them. Now, I always feel the moment, important to give a disclaimer There are abusive people that if you let them all the way into your life would bring abuse to you. And I'm not asking for anybody to go back and engage with an abuser. But even with that person, at a minimum, you can pray for them. At a minimum, you can no longer allow hate to rule in your heart. Because essentially what Jesus is saying here is that loving well is more than loving the lovable. And it's not loving the lovable when they're not lovable. Oh, I need to make sure I love my wife even when she hurts me. I need to love my kids even when they're disobedient. I need to love my friends even when they're not there for me. We're talking about people who are relatively lovable, um, but sometimes they mess up. It's more than that. And again, it's, it's, more than, it's more than helping the needy. It's more than that, because even in that, it's like you got someone that's needy and, and they need, need help, they need a ride, they need food, they need, they need money, and you give that to them and, and you, you get gratitude and thanks from them. You feel good, you get the good person points, and you walk away, you think, I did a good thing. But where's the joy, where's the benefit in loving someone that you know is out to get you, that hates you, that wants to hurt you? That is your enemy. And loving well is so much more than that. I mean, the way that Jesus says this is like, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Everyone does that. If you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. And I I consider myself a loving person. Why do you think that you're a loving person? Because people who love me, I love them back. Because people who, I I exchange gifts with people at Christmas. They give me a gift and I give them a gift. You know? People who are kind, I'm kind to them. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a nice guy because I'm nice to people who are nice to me. I'm a lovable person because I love people who love me. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to discourage you from that. I'm not trying to discourage you from that. I'm not trying to discourage you from being kind to people who who need help. But essentially, if all that we're doing is loving people in which we can get something back from them, Jesus is like, everyone does that. But can you love them? And it's really difficult, and I think it really begins. It begins with this idea, because every now and then, there's still a few people on Facebook that you haven't muted, right? That share the wrong ideas, the wrong things, that you still you still connect with some of you, you still and every now and then you'll you'll click on a news article that you it's from the it's fake news, right? It's wrong, it's the wrong stuff. You click on a video and you see the wrong person talking, saying the wrong things, and you hear what they say about you and how terrible you are, and how dumb and misinformed and awful you are, and you hear or you read all of this, and there's a thing that you feel, right? There's this thing that you feel. It's like, I feel completely misunderstood. I feel like you don't see me. I feel like you don't really understand who I am, and and that's not what I think, and that's not where I'm coming from, and and, and I have this fear, and I have this frustration, and you don't seem to understand. You don't see me. And you get really frustrated at these caricatures that are made of you because of maybe this one thing that you say or do that they don't like. And you feel, you feel this frustration and anger because you don't feel seen, you don't feel known. And I'm telling you, that kind of empathy, I think that's where love needs to start for so many of us. I'm going to start seeing people not just through my eyes and my lens of how I feel like who you are and what you do affects me. I'm going to start thinking about who you are and the hurt and the pain and the loss and the legitimate fears that you have about life and the legitimate fears that you have about the future and and the things that have happened in your past that have led you to that. It's like I want to understand where you're coming from. And that goes for these people over here that we don't get all the way to the people who are close to us who have hurt us. The people in our family, our friends that we just they just, they, I just I just I just can't with them anymore. But if you took the opportunity to really to really listen, to really hear, to really see to really understand, I, I think I think we could with them instead of I can't with them. And I can begin to love and experience and appreciate who they are, even in their sin, even in their misunderstanding, even in their self-destructive tendencies, even in the destructive tendencies that are getting on me. It's like, here, here is a person. Here is a person that is loved by God who he desperately wants to extend his grace to. And even though this person wishes me harm, I want the best for them. And I'm not going to allow myself to be corroded by hate. And I'm going to extend love to them. Because the last, the last thing that Jesus says kind of in this passage is he says, it's this love, this love Is one trait that sets us apart he says This is how people will know This is how people are going to know that you're with me By the way that you can show A different type of love I tell you Love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you That you may be children of your father In heaven They're going to know They're going to know that you're mine they're going to know that you that you're not just just somebody who can only love people who who are like you who are around you who are good to you you can love the people who mean you harm and you think there's no there's there's, there's just no way and I, and i feel that i don't know that i have i don't know that i have enemies i don't know if i have a nemesis per se but i do have i have a lot of people who've who've hurt me right and and to me it it often feels like enemies. You know, pastors, they all have stories like this, stories that they that they have that they tell each other in conferences or whatever about awful things that people will say to them as they're leaving the church. Not just for the day, but like leaving, leaving. And uh, I have one. They were upset about something that I had said, and they sent me an email to express their frustration on their way out, and, and my favorite action item that they gave me was, Charlie, perhaps you should consider reading the Bible that's really good, I, I, I'll take, take that under advisement, I'll consider reading the Bible. And there was one, I was having this face-to-face meeting with this one guy, and um, at the time we owned some rental property in another town, This was the house we lived in, and we didn't want to, but we couldn't sell it, so it became a rental property for us, but we went ahead and bought a house here for us to live in, and this person took me aside to meet with me and said, I don't think that, I don't think that what you're doing is appropriate I think it is a bad financial move, and ultimately, I believe that this is going to lead you to embezzling money from the church. So we're leaving. <laughs> and I tell you, man, at that point, it's like, man, I, I honestly, there's part of me that's kind of glad that I've been trained in theater because you can, like, you can just never break character. I think that you're going to steal money from the church. Mm, do you now? And the problem is, you know, those people, they don't move to Tulsa. They don't move to Springfield. They're not living in California. You're still going to run into them. I've run into both of those people several times. One of them was in a preschool. Our kids are both in. One was in a school that one of our kids goes to. We'd see them all the time. And, like, and you just have this instinct. Like, I just have this instinct. It's like, hey, I still haven't embezzled from the church yet. In case you're wondering. And I just feel, I, honestly, I, I just, and, and, and this thing that just happens in me, this anger, this frustration, this, this corrosive bitterness. And I don't know what I think I'm accomplishing by holding on to this, by, 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 by feeling these things. I'm not doing I'm not doing them any harm I'm not I'm not doing me any good I'm allowing hate to just overwhelm me when the reality of it is even though these persons it would seem on some level at one moment declared themselves to be my enemies but in reality probably don't think about me at all anymore that I should just love them and pray for them and wish the best for them and honestly, the, the more we talk about this and I say, hey, you know what? Um, this is what God has called you to. All you have to do to really be the kind of person that God wants you to do is you need to love well the people who mean you the most harm. And if there's a part of you that when you hear that, you think that is impossible. There's a sense in which you have gotten the big idea, the other big idea that Jesus is trying to get across. The last thing he says in the... In, At the end of this chapter is Therefore be perfect like God is perfect Because ultimately one of the things That he is wanting us to understand Is one of the things he's trying to do Is trying to destroy this idea That the Pharisees had That somehow they could be good enough And follow enough of the rules To be perfect To be in God's favor And he's like okay If that's what you want to do If you want to be perfect Let me spell out what perfect looks like And he says all these things Well no one could do that there's no way I could do that. And if you get to the point to where you hear Jesus talk about loving people who actively mean you harm, and you think there's no way I can do that, you are you, you are this close. You've, you've almost got it. Because the reality, one of the big the big ideas that Jesus is desperately trying to push us towards is our need for the gospel. And the need that, that there it is impossible for me to get, be good enough. There is too much sin. There's too much anger. There's too much hate. There's too much going on in here. I can't. I need Him. I need the forgiveness that comes through the cross. And I need the Holy Spirit to come in and do a work inside of me. If I am ever going to live the life that God has called us to. So my hope and prayer for us is that we would kind of hold on to both of these things. I need to rid myself of this anger. I need to love people who, who, who to me seem unlovable, who are hurtful to me. But without the gospel, the, resurre- the death and resurrection of Jesus, and without his Holy Spirit in me, I won't be able to do it at all. Let me pray.